Yo, Rob Harvilla from 60 Songs That Explain the 90s here to inform you that we are back with 30 more songs because the 90s were super long and had a ton of rad music. Please join us every Wednesday for more 60 Songs That Explain the 90s only on Spotify. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. Guess who's back, baby? Please don't sue. Don't sue us. Please don't sue. <laughs> don't sue us. We are once again the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. We did we a brief... Back. Sorry, we're back. <laughs> a little brief off-season sojourn as the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Mm. But now we are back as the Fantasy Football Show. We're back. We've got a lot to talk about. For everyone who patiently waited for us to dive into fantasy, we're gonna go. We're going all fantasy today. We're gonna do a little power hour about Ooh. all the rookies for this season for 2022, and then we're gonna go into dynasty. We're gonna do a little dynasty explainer for the people who do play dynasty. We're gonna give you what the sales pitch should be to your friends, and if you don't play dynasty, we're gonna tell you why you should and why it's fun. Ultimately, it's because it just extends your fantasy group chat year round, which is really something we all wish would happen. Yeah. So. We're going to lean on DK because he hasn't been busy enough these past three months. <laughs> we figured what's one more. So yeah. yeah, we're doing redraft dynasty power hour today, and then we'll be back next week as well. And then we're going to go on our own little vacation because it's May and June. And you know, that's the one time of the year where the NFL hasn't taken over just yet. Uh, yep. But next week will be fun. We got dynasty rankings coming out. We got our preliminary top 200 redraft rankings coming out. So the fantasy, a lot of football, stuff. The fantasy guide, it's coming out early this year. Yeah. So it's going to be sweet. It's going to be great. Check that out next week. We got a lot coming for you. So we're right now we're going to do power hour again. DK is going to give us his top 10 rookies that he power ranked for this year's leagues for 2022. Redraft. Yeah. And it's very simple. If you haven't done power hour with us before, when you hear this sound, we're going to move on to a new topic. Shout out Tom Tom. Don't disrespect the Tom Tom. We're all a little rusty. I don't think we've done this since a little pre-Christmas episode in December. Yeah. So we're actually going to try to respect the Tom Tom today for once in our lives. <laughs> and we're going to respect the timer. So 
Without further ado, let's just get into it right now. The top 10 rookies for redraft leagues this season. Craig, you want to start the timer? Let's do it. Starting now. Take us away, DK. All right. Number one, wide receiver, Drake London. Wow. Falcons. The eighth overall pick of the NFL draft. Here's my pitch. The Falcons, number one receiver before Drake London came in. Alamade Zacchaeus. That's all. That's all I got. <laughs> so before he was the number one pick, how many how many teams would Alamade Zacchaeus even make in the <laughs> NFL? I feel like he would be cut from at least eight. No, no disrespect because he you know has flashed here and there, but like he would be a fifth or sixth receiver on some teams potentially. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think number one, you're going into a, a situation with the Falcons where he doesn't really have any competition for targets early in his career. Kyle and that's Pitts. huge. Obviously, what's that? Kyle, Kyle well, Pitts. Kyle, Kyle Pitts. Certainly, he's Kyle the Pitts one. at the tight end position. But I'm talking about like the receiver group. Like he could move to the top of the receiver uh, hierarchy like almost immediately. So that's, you know, different than most of the other rookies in this class. Uh, importantly, he also has like the size, talent, skill set, all that stuff to be a contributor early on. Do you think that I kind of when I was thinking about Drake London's rookie season this year, I kind of thought about like DJ Moore and Terry McLaurin, where it's like guys who just became the number ones, but they kind of have shaky quarterback yeah. play. They're not really on a good team, but they just kind of get like they get the volume and it might not be the prettiest, but they're probably like, you know, I looked at DJ Moore and McLaurin's rookie years and they both had around like, you know, 800 yards and six touchdowns. And like yeah, that to yeah. me kind of seems like what Drake London might do as worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't know, I'm not necessarily like projecting him to have like a Justin Jefferson style rookie year, but I think in general, this receiver class, um, with the, all the landing spots taken into account, like he just to me looks like the most clear cut uh, early contributor, early fantasy relevant rookie, um, just because of number one, like I said, he was really highly drafted. That's important. That's always going to be important for getting playing time and, and targets and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I think just expectations should be a little bit lower. I don't, this is not the Justin Jefferson class. Boom. Or, Tom, or, Tom. Jamar, or Jamar Chase. Yeah. You had to get the or Jamar Chase in right right before the Tom, right after mm -hmm. the Tom Tom. Mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. a little shot at Tom Tom, a little jab. Just warming up. All right, who's next? Number two, Traylon Burks, wide receiver for the Titans. Same wow. style situation here. We got a guy who is a mid first round pick. I think he was 16th or 18th overall. Uh, 18th overall, I believe. Um, and he's coming in and, and potentially going to be the number one receiver or 1A, 1B with Robert Woods whenever Robert Woods gets back. But again, Robert Woods is coming off an ACL injury. So Traylon Burks is facing very little competition for targets early in his career. Um, I think he's going to be utilized in and around the line of scrimmage, manufactured touches, things like that. Like that'll, you know, translate to fantasy production. I think he's got that big play potential too. So, um, you know, the other thing is nice is he has a better quarterback, at least in theory, than... Drake London does in Ryan Tannehill. So that's another thing to keep in mind. I guess my question is, why is he not above Drake London? I think because London is more polished as a receiver, as a route runner. Um, he's just a little bit more, uh, you know, I get like mature is not the right word. Like mature as a route runner, mature as a receiver, polished as a receiver. Burks is not a very good route runner. And so he's going to have to take a little bit of time to develop. So And also he might be in an offense that's very run heavy and sort of like, volume will be hit, hit or miss given any given week. Um, so that would be why I put Drake Lynn a little bit higher. So A.J. Brown had 1,050 yards and eight touchdowns his rookie year, and obviously Ooh. Traylon Burks is coming in to basically replace him. Are you, do you think that's possible, or what you just said about like Traylon Burks being a little unpolished? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's possible, but I wouldn't. And that was only on 52 catches, so he really had just yeah. like a lot of big boom busts like over the middle. Yeah. Yeah, like take a slant and run it in for a touchdown. And that's honestly like Burks could do that kind of thing. I 
I would not project that type of superstar breakout for Burks, but I do think overall he has that type of skill set. Um, and again, like I said, he's going into it. It's this this receiver core for the Titans is like bare bones right now. Yeah, I just kind of feel like I'm going to be out on Traylon Burks this year in just like 2022 leagues. I mean, I just feel like it's just too one for one. Oh, yeah, he'll be like A.J. Brown. It's like, oh, well, he, I don't know. I feel like he probably won't. Okay, so number three, Dick, who's your number three rookie for this year? Number three, Rick, uh, running back Brees Hall. Finally, I thought he was going to be number one. Volume. Yeah, is we got to talk about this, DK. What are, what are these rankings? Are this is this like are these the order you would rank these players in your rankings when we release them? Like you would have Drake London ranked ahead of Brees Hall. Probably, yeah. Wow, really? So, well, it why depends because you're, Brees Hall going into an offense which is not going to be very good in all likelihood. Uh, we don't know exactly how things are going to be split up between him and Michael Carter. Maybe they rely a little bit more on Michael Carter as like a pass catcher early on. I think his usage is just kind of a, a question mark. We're going to run into a situation similar to potentially like Javante Williams last year, um, where. The usage is a little bit frustrating week in and week out. You're going to a team that's not very good, not going to score a ton of points. So um, I'm just slightly tempering my expectations to Priest. I think he's really good. I think he's going to have eventually down the, down, the, down the stretch probably a big chunk of the workload. Um, but I'm just tempering my expectations very early in the season. So that I that agree and I disagree with you. I agree in that I think that Brees Hall is probably going to be overrated this year, and I don't think I'll have a lot of Brees Hall. Like I don't really want a bunch of this Jets offense. It was the worst defense in the NFL last year. They're probably going to. I don't see them running a lot. I don't see them having a great offense, and we don't know that Brees Hall is going to how much of the workload will have for Michael Carter, et cetera. But I also do feel like Brees Hall will be the highest drafted of these rookies, and I'm like kind of confident about that. So I'm surprised that he's yeah. third for you. But I also agree on being out on him. I agree. I think he probably will be the highest drafted and his ADP will probably be the highest. But I do, like I said, I just kind of worry a little bit about um, the usage, just the team. Um, yeah, it's the Jets. Being <laughs> yeah. out on the Jets is usually smart. He would be my number one unequivocal. We'll get into Dynasty later, but he's my number one pick in Dynasty rookie drafts. But this year only, a um, little bit like just tempering my expectations. Okay. All right, who's number four? We are really cooking right now. Woo! We're cooking with gas. All right, number four. And this is where it gets really murky for me. Chris Olave. I completely agree. I The next four people, you could convince me going anywhere. Yeah. Totally. Chris Olave from the Saints. If you really look at what the Saints gave up to get Chris Olave on their team, it's kind of incredible. They gave up like multiple future picks, plus like a couple of picks in the 2022 they draft. They gave away like the pick that became AJ Brown and like 10 other things. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And so... um, I think that they're going to be, number one, very motivated to play him. He's going to come into an offense that, again, doesn't have that much car uh, competition for targets. He's probably going to be the number two, de facto number two receiver behind Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, again, bit of a question mark heading into the season. You know, he kind of always is. Um, and so there's a world where he's the number one receiver for the Saints and Jameis Winston. Um, so their volume could be there. But, but it, there's a lot of uncertainty there, of course. We don't know exactly how healthy Jameis Winston's going to be. We don't know if this offense is going to be great. We don't know exactly how much volume he's going to get. But I think he is the most polished of this next tier of, of receivers. Great route runner. Very dangerous deep threat. He had like a million touchdowns in college. Like he's, I think he set the Ohio State record for touchdowns in his career. You said Olavi's the most polished of this group. I feel like he's the most polished of all these rookie receivers, period. Yeah. I well, mean, I feel like yeah. like by a lot. Yeah, let me rephrase that. I agree. Yeah, he is. I almost feel like if Chris Olave had the best rookie season of these guys, I wouldn't be surprised. The only thing holding him back, I feel like, is the Saints kind of maybe being more of a ground and pound team now. I don't really know what to think about the Saints and Jameis Winston. I can see it going so many different ways for well, them. Well, yeah, and like if you look back when Jameis was starting, like they were a slow, 
methodical offense. It's not like this is a high-octane, pass-the-ball-over-the-yard type of deal. They were like basically trying to mitigate J- Jameis Winston, not turn it over. Yeah, they ran the Jameis don't-screw-up offense. And the other thing that worries me just slightly with Olave, and the reason I don't project him to be the best rookie receiver, though, it's like it certainly wouldn't be the wildest thing ever, but like he's a zero after the catch. Like he offers absolutely nothing after the catch. Olave? Yeah, yeah. but that's like really relative, right? Like, I mean, he's still like an extremely athletic, good wide receiver in the NFL. What do you mean he's a zero? He can't run like after he, the catch? He, he, broke, he broke like, he was like third or fourth worst in NCAA in like missed tackles for Yeah, but he's like always he, wide open because he burns everybody. <laughs> I, well, maybe, but he's a catch and fall down receiver is kind of what I'm saying. Like he makes Zach Ertz, he makes Zach Ertz look elusive after the catch. No, really? Oh, 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 oh for I, sure. I, I, how has this never come up? Go fucking watch, go look at the stats, go watch the tape and tell me I'm wrong. I don't, you guys like, I'm not <laughs> giving me I'm shit. I'm not, wow, feisty. Hit us with a check the tape. Episode one of the fantasy show. We got Why don't you put the on the tape. fucking tape? Yeah. DK's a check the tape guy. More importantly, just go like look at the stats. Like this, like he does not force tackles. Can tackles. you compare him? I don't, I don't, I don't respect the Zach Ertz comparison because Zach Ertz is like a 240-pound <laughs> tight end. Give me another receiver who's relatively his size who kind of compares in terms of lack of yards after the catch ability. Um that's a great question. <laughs> Can you give me any examples? I don't know off the top <laughs> of my head. Um Keenan Allen. No, Keenan Allen, I think, is much more elusive after the catch. A lot of you ran a 4-3-9-40, and if you're saying a f- anything that under 4-4 is not elusive as a person, like I genuinely want to try to understand here what we mean by elusive. Are you saying that he has say he catches and goes down? Negative play strength. He doesn't have good instincts after when he has the ball in his hand in terms of evading That's what I'm wondering. Tackles. Is it about the decision-making he can't make people miss, or when he gets touched, he falls? The second. Oh, so he's soft. No, well, you said it. <laughs> wow! How did we just do the the draft show for three months and we never talked about it? I don't know. Really why are you guys soft? like so like shocked about what I'm saying? Like, is there something unbelievable about what I'm saying? Like, do you think he's Honestly, really physical? I'm very confused about this line of questioning. It's kind of like saying an unathletic tight end. Like, we say so many receivers are good after the catch. To just say someone's terrible after the catch, but they're not like a big receiver, it's just weird to hear. Right. Like, he's like, what is he, like six foot 190, and he's just not good after the catch, and he runs a 4-3. I just, it's just weird. Yeah, I just kind of assume anyone who runs a 4-3-9 is good after the catch. <laughs> well, he's not. <laughs> like, even a little. All right. Well, he's maybe like the worst at it. Damn. Well, then let's talk about Garrett Wilson. You I'm not saying he's bad. Jets. I'm not saying he's bad, to be clear. I'm just saying <laughs> he gives you zero in that part of the game. I just can't believe all this, because Solak loved Olave so much more, and you love Garrett Wilson so much more. I'm just surprised that They're you like never opposites. dropped this yeah. bomb on Solak. Yeah, Garrett Wilson is, like, unpolished. He's frenetic a little bit as a route runner. Blah, blah, but blah. you have Olave four. Where's Garrett Wilson? I got him at five. Okay, so I'm going to start the clock. Is that because the Jets suck? Yes. here's my argument i don't believe in zach wilson zach wilson is the quarterback Uh, i don't believe but we got to be clear here like the jets are doubling down on their offense like joe douglas they've got all these you know they added garrett wilson obviously they've added people the last couple years i just don't really think zach wilson's going to be a great quarterback. maybe i'll be completely wrong maybe he'll be incredible but you're kind of on that board too right dk well i wasn't a big believer when he came in i do think so look i wasn't a big believer when when zach wilson came into the nfl his, kids Bob, his rookie year kids was Bob Jim McMahon. Uh, his rookie year was freaking terrible, um, and 
you know, that generally speaking is like a good sign that this guy's not going to be great in his career. However, I really like what the Jets have done to surround him with talent. And so that does give me hope. And so like, if you're asking, if you can ask me right now, whether I think Wilson's, uh, Zach Wilson's going to be a success in the NFL, I would lean more towards yes, because they're doing the right thing, building around him, giving him a lot of weapons, Zach Wilson, or sorry, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore last year. Um, they, ha- they still have Corey Davis. They got him, you know, two good running backs now. Like I think everything around him is good. And so with um, Garrett and- Wilson, is Garrett Wilson's yards after the catch make you optimistic even though Zach Wilson might not be great it's not going to be hard to get Garrett Wilson the ball in space and let him create yeah but also the volume won't be there perhaps as much as maybe somebody like Chris Olave because like you just said Elijah Moore Corey Davis Braxton Berrios is still there the two running right. backs like he's just not going to get as many targets maybe. not to mention right. they signed CJ Uzama in, in, in free right. agency and they added right. another they, I mean they added two Conklin too I think yeah. was going to be involved uh, to me it's just like I think we'll see a lot of the volume go to Elijah Moore because he's going to have a second-year breakout. I think that Garrett Wilson's going to show a lot of flashes, but he could have a little bit longer learning curve or whatever in, in, in the NFL because you know he's a little bit less polished than a guy like Olave. And yeah, just like the target competition is a lot greater in, in New York, and I don't think they're going to be like a particularly great offense this year, um, score a lot of points and all that stuff. So it's going to be probably a little bit frustrating. So Garrett Wilson stylistically, I actually just thought, of, I'm sure other people have made this comp, but like he a little bit reminds me of Brandon Ayuk. Just like the style of athlete he is. I have a brief aside. I apologize, yeah. Tom Tom. We're only five in. We've disrespected Tom Tom twice. <laughs> we're back. Um, now we're back. Now we're back. Don't get sued. Zach Wilson is like super ripped now. He, yeah. He looks like he's <laughs> yeah, training to that. be in a Marvel movie. He looks like Kumail Nanjiani before, or he looks like the actor <laughs> yeah. picture of Kumail yes. Nanjiani. Oh yes. And here's my take. I, 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 I this is my gut reaction when I saw it. I don't like when quarterbacks are like super get super jacked. I actually don't oh. think that's good. Yeah, but he was like skinny. There's a lot of skinny quarterbacks who are very good. <laughs> I, I was actually me, just looking. Yeah, I was just looking at a picture of Tom Brady on the golf course. That guy is he, he doesn't have like an ounce of fat on his all body. All of the like best that? quarterbacks are kind of flabby. <laughs> I don't like it when a quarterback Mac Jones? looks yeah. like a superhero. To me, Mac it, Jones it, just tubular. Yeah. Yeah. When have you ever heard it? Like to me, it's like flexibility and, and timing and mobility. And that's what's important. It's like when you're just like a giant meat stick unnaturally, like there are some people who are naturally jacked. That's totally fine. But when you just like toss on the weight and stack the, the, the pounds of meat on your legs and your ass and stuff, I just, I don't like that. And your shoulders, your arms, I'm not into it. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Not into, so do you like DK Metcalf or no? He's naturally that way though. Not naturally, but like. Well, born I mean, like that? It doesn't even work out. Yeah. I mean, he's incredibly gifted and he has an incredible work ethic, which is like the perfect combination. But like Zach Wilson just stacking on 15 pounds of muscle. I'm not like, oh, now he's going to be better. They're also different positions. And Craig's point is quarterbacks who are like super ripped and jacked. Like it's true. Like if you look around the NFL, everybody is just kind of like a skinny guy. Like there's, there are a few exceptions. Yeah, Dak like Prescott's Cam pretty Newton, thick. Who's enormous. If Zach yeah. Wilson's good. We're going to be like, wow got ripped we should have known if he sucks we're like wow maybe should have spent more time practicing but you know what i mean it's yeah like no one was ever like tim tebow's so ripped that's why that'll help i think that the real the real boring answer is it's probably a reaction to his first year playing nfl football and realizing he's not strong enough and yeah, he got hurt a lot that. bulk up i guess but i'm not i'm not okay dk give us your next one so top five to recap you got drake london for the falcons Traylon burks for the titans running back Brees hall for the jets which surprised me chris olave for the saints garrett wilson for the jets also just you having olave ahead of wilson surprises me Who's your number six? So again, to be clear on Olave, I think he's going to be productive. I just don't think he offers anything as a runner after the catch creator. That's all. Uh, my next guy is Sky Moore from the Chiefs, who Ooh. is a pretty good runner after the catch creator. He's very quick off the line, 
big hands, very good catcher of the football, um, separates early. I think he basically answers a lot of the questions that the Chiefs have in terms of short and intermediate area, beating cover two stuff, giving like Patrick Mahomes sort of an easy option early on um, to like start moving the chains. Basically, like he's the antithesis of like a Marcus Valdez-Scantling, who is just going to be stretching the field deep and probably not seeing a ton of targets this year. Um, so I don't know. Obviously, there's some target competition now with Juju in there. Marcus Valdez-Scantling, obviously Kelsey. Chief signing Juju one. is really, that's going to be the number one like, oh, right. I forgot that that happened that people remember. Yeah. Think about and in July. Sky Moore and Juju could be a little bit uh, redundant. We'll see how it all works out. But um, I don't know. I want a, I want a guy who's really fast and elusive and has yards up to catch ability in the Patrick Mahomes offense. Like, <laughs> that's the idea. He could end up being a little bit, like, frustrating week in and week out. Um, but I think he's, like, he, he is, again, also, he's, like, the antithesis of Miko um, Hardman, where he's, like, a good route runner. He's, like, reliable. He's where he needs to be at the right time. You know, he gets off the line of scrimmage. You create separation, all that stuff. He catches the ball. So um, I'm just kind of excited to see how he does this year. And I think he Geek, has I have an important question for you because, you know, that? Sky Moore, very, it's two Y's in Sky. Very mm. cool name. Huge. Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, cool. Sky Moore, Patrick Mahomes. Question for you. Let's say Sky Moore hypothetically was named, I don't know, Robert Woods. <laughs> how excited would you be for this cool rookie Robert Woods to be in the Chiefs? Because I'm a little worried <laughs> that Sky Moore, half the appeal is his name right. is Sky Moore. Great question. Yeah, I mean, I probably he'd probably be like number seven or eight on this list instead of six. Yeah, I appreciate you drop him down a, a spot or two. But look, hey, you you look good, you feel good, you play good. Add in like name <laughs> name good, feel good, play good. Dress for the job you want. Name your son for the job you want him to have. Nominative <laughs> determination, determination. What is it called? Nom Determinism. You just name it whatever. Determinism. You want. <laughs> It'll become that. Right. <laughs> All right. Who's number seven for you, DK? All right, and this one is a. This one's like controversial, but I'm going Kenneth Walker for the Seahawks who really um, what? Okay. So this is why it's controversial. Heifetz <laughs> doesn't believe that I even fucking mentioned a second round running back on a run heavy team with no quarterback. Go ahead. Heifetz. What do you got? I, I, I'm just, am I not allowed to be surprised to me? DK, he seems redundant to Seattle. He's mm -hmm. a, like a early down running back who doesn't pass block much. And they just re-signed Rashad Penny. I, I guess Chris Carson's hurt, but like, yeah, he, is he going to get over 10 carries a game once if everyone's healthy? Uh, I think so. I think it's like, it, he's not going to be the like heavy workload, 20 carries a, a game time of guy. I think they're going to split reps with him and uh, Penny. So the reason I'm excited about Walker, in addition to the fact that I think the CX are going to run a lot, want to get him established. Um, a lot of people make the connection to like what, how Rashad Penny like took forever to get into the Seahawks offense and like got beat out by a seventh round rookie in, in uh, Chris Carson and um, never really established himself. To, he like, also got hurt every five. year, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's, that was going to be what I said next. Like Rashad Penny broke his hand as in his rookie mini camp, set him back like a few months. He, he came back in like overweight, like it was just like this cascading series of events that just completely fucked over Rashad Penny's like first few uh, seasons in the league. Um, and he finally got healthy. He finally started looking good. Then he tore his ACL and then it set him back again. So this is insurance when Chris Carson and Rashad Penny inevitably get hurt. Chris Carson, by the way, I don't think Chris Carson is going to be on the Seahawks this year, or at least mm -hmm. not, not on the field. So that's also part of this assumption. I think it's going to be Walker and Penny. Well, that's actually why I'm surprised by this. I kind of feel like he should be higher than Sky Moore. I think he should be higher. I think so that, now you think he should be higher? <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Let's put him at six then. Let's do it. Sky Moore, move him down. 
if Sky Moore was named Kenneth Walker, he'd be way lower. And if Kenneth Moore was named Sky Sky, if Kenneth Walker was named Kenneth Sky Moore, Runner, he'd be number one on your list. Am I right? Um, look, Tom Tom, he's, he's interrupting <laughs> this, but I want to keep it going. Saved by the Tom Tom. Oh, okay. No, but but actually, I think Heifetz, you are in in my mind sort of the avatar for a lot of what a lot of fantasy analysts are talking about right now, which is a lot of people don't really believe in Kenneth Walker this year. And or in Dynasty. Like he's like, obviously, I think long term he has some potential, but a lot of people are very worried about the Seahawks, that we're very worried about the offense, worried about the fact that Rashad Penny is quote unquote the lead back there. Um, and so there's widely, widely varying opinions on Walker. So you're actually your arguments are actually working well. Well, I think that yeah, I think I could see Kenneth Walker going with like the 80th pick in a draft because people think he takes the job from Rashad Penny. I could see him going, some people might think he should go undraft and he'll be like this unbelievable waiver pick when Rashad Penny gets hurt. But realistically, right, right. when you actually make your draft, I feel like he'll go in like, I don't know, 100th? Seems like a perfectly fine 100th pick. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Again, it's, it is a controversial take and I, I just tend to believe like, you can't really look at the Rashad Penny career arc as like I don't precedent. think it's controversial. I think that, I, I think, I think the part I actually disagree with is do you think you would be drafting Olave, Garrett Wilson, Skymore over Kenneth Walker? That's a very good question. Let's just say this isn't an ordered list. This is the 10 most meaningful rookie picks. It kind of goes that. against the, t- the, the the term power ranking. <laughs> power hour, power rank. So, this is soft power from DK. DK's drunk. He's on like Dude, it's seven fucking May. It's May. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's May, bro. Relax. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Like... The funny thing is, is like you, you Heifetz, I feel like midway through this argument, you, you at first you were like, oh, you're fucking crazy. Why is Kenneth Walker on the li- on this list? And now you're like, wait, why is he not higher? How could he not be higher? I mean, I I, I think I'm going to let uh, DK's rankings stand. We'll go with the soft power. I think okay. realistic, if we're being <laughs> realistic here, Brees Hall is going to be the number one running back off the boards out of this list. And then I think. I don't know, though. I, I kind of don't know. We'll see. The number we'll one see. running back? You You think it could be Kenneth Walker? I think he's the number one player. Forget running back. I think I think Brees Hall will definitely be the number one running back of these players. Number one player. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Who you got next? Who's eight? Okay, I got James Cook from the Bills mm. next, who I think is a very intriguing pick here because uh, he is a little undersized. I think he's like 5'11", 199 or something like that. So he does not, he doesn't bring like the lead back foundation back size. Um but I think the Bills, the Bills took him in the second round. I think they could really um, end up having a big role for this guy as a pass catcher, too. Like well, They have Singletary, and they also have Zach Moss. So who's going to be a three-headed monster disaster? Or do you think no, Zach Moss is Zach on the way Moss out? Zach Moss is fucking off the radar at this point um, until further notice. They also signed Duke Johnson, but probably yeah. nothing yeah. there. Um, what I think is, 
they don't trust either Zach Moss or uh, Singletary. And I think basically they're going to give James Cook a chance to like really kind of grab a hold of this job. I don't think he's going to be foundation back. I don't think he's going to get 25 carries a game or 20 carries a game, but he might get five, six carries and five or six targets a game and turning those touches into like valuable, uh, you know, yardage and production. I think like this guy, this guy could potentially be a pretty good fantasy option this year. Um, maybe like an RB two or a flex type guy. So, uh, but that's a big question mark is because like what kind of volume is he going to get? Is he going to get like two or three targets a game and just be completely frustrating and useless? There's a world where I could see that happen in, in an offense where, Zach, uh, where Josh Allen is kind of like, you know, not really dumping off a lot and taking off. But like it does seem to me like the Bills have tried to have this type of player in their offense. But Singletary has rocks for hands, can't catch the football. Zach Moss, same deal. And they basically... They tried to uh, sign J.D. McKissick in the offseason. J.D. McKissick switched to the last minute. Mm. And I'm not saying... I think James Cook has the potential to be like J.D. McKissick, like, you know, super, supercharged. Yeah, like a, a much more talented version of J.D. McKissick. I kind of like that. I mean, James Cook has never had more than 12 carries in a game in college, so that kind of checks out that he's like kind of this hybrid type situation. But you're right. The, you mentioning the McKissick thing, that they didn't get him and they wanted to, is interesting and makes you kind of excited for James well, Cook. Yeah. To tell you the truth, I don't think that makes me excited for him as a for this year. I think that makes him more of a dynasty guy. Yeah, probably true, but only because JD McKissick had thirty six catches in his first like three seasons. True, but sometimes but he had eighty catches. He was an undrafted point. free agent, though. I mean, this is a different that's level fair. of talent. That's fair. And if you like hit right on like these like pass catching backs, they could be like, pretty valuable in fantasy. Like somebody who gets five catches a game is like kind of a big deal at running yeah. back. Especially in an offense like the Bills. Like, if this was some other random middling or bad offense, like, I probably wouldn't be as excited about it. But they're going to score a million points. And, and so, all they do is pass. And they also love to run yeah. plays in a row without subbing anybody out. And they just have players shuffle all around on the field. And, like, that's Yeah. And honestly, like, the exciting thing about Cook is um, he was sort of like the close, like, I don't know what the word is, like the closer for Georgia last year. Like, when they needed like a big play or like a surprise play, they would like line him up in the slot or like on the wing. And he'd just create these massive plays, sometimes touchdowns. And I could see the Bills doing that like pretty consistently with James Cook, where um, because there's so many other options that they got to defend. Defenses defenses have to defend against the Bills, um, and so he could kind of be like, you know, uh, I don't know what to call it, but like a like a basically just a big play creator for them. Okay, DK, who's who you got next? Is this the last one or second to last? No, we got this is number nine, and then there's like a plateau of 12 guys that I wanted to put at number 10. So we'll just kind of dive into that. But number nine, Damian Pierce for the Texans, who is a fourth round pick. This could end up looking really stupid by the time, you know, drafts come around, but he basically has not that much competition to have the starting job for the Texans going into this year. Um, Right now, Marlon Mack, who has only played in a handful of games over the last two seasons, is in front of him. And then Rex Burkhead, who is 31 years old, is the other guy that's in front of him. So I could see Damian Pierce just... And, and again, like Pierce was... He blew up the senior bowl, looked really good, impressed everybody. Um, he didn't have a ton of carries or a ton of touches at uh, at Florida, but he was consistently, consistently um, breaking tackles, really efficient, good pass catcher, uh, has all the skill set that you look for as a like a three-down back, good pass protector, all that stuff. Um but fourth rounder, so you have to really kind of pump your brakes and say there's there's a chance where he's just not even like on the field. So again, this is a this is a boomer bust pick for me. But you loved this guy before the draft, and now he's at a team yeah. that needs to see their young players. I would have loved him. I would have been more confident about this take if he was a third round pick. Of course, he was the second pick of the fourth round, so you know, not that big of a difference. It's kind of, but it does make a difference, you know. Why? Because you're going to run into a situation. 
um, where the team just doesn't feel that uh, committed to him or there's not much clamor from the fans to get him on the field, blah, blah, blah. Like, it doesn't matter. I mean, and from a dynasty point of view, too, like, look at what happened with Michael Carter in the Jets. Michael Carter went off last year, looked really good at times. And everyone's like, oh, see, like, fourth rounders can be productive. They can win the starting job. And then he gets replaced with a second round guy. So that's kind of the the issue you have. But he's the second pick of the fourth round if you were, like, you know, the 10th, the last pick of the third. Does it matter that much? I mean, in reality, probably not. Like, if if Damian Pierce establishes himself as, like, a really good player and, like, a somewhat, like, star, like, a low-grade star in the league, like, it won't matter that he was drafted in the fourth round. But if he's, like, solid and not great, then, yeah, he could get replaced. But this is, like, more dynasty talk. Like, this year, I think there's a solid chance that he's pretty good for them. Okay. All right, last one. All right. I didn't, I didn't know where to go with this because there's like, again, there's a lot of different guys to include in this list that could potentially be. Well, you want uh, then just run through the guys you were considering and pick okay, one. Okay. So there, here's some guys, and this is actually pretty interesting because the rookie class, I think, could, could produce a bunch of contributors. Rashad White with the Bucks, who landed in the third round. I think he's potentially very interesting if he could beat out uh, Giovanni Bernard as like the third down back. Obviously, Fournette's in front of him, but that's, you know, he could maybe be the, the pass catching down or the pa- pass catching back in that offense. George Pickens from the Steelers. Christian Watson from the Packers, Tyler Algier, Algier for the Falcons, who was a fourth-round pick, but again, he's he's sort of like uh, Damian Pierce. There's not much in front of him right now. David Bell from the Browns, who could be really interesting uh, as a like a slot target for Deshaun Watson. Wondell Robinson, your guy, Heifetz, second-round pick for the Giants. Um, and then you throw in guys like Isaiah Spiller for the Chargers, Tyrion Davis-Price for the 49ers, Alec Pierce for the Colts, Jamison Williams, who's probably not going to be coming on the field until like midway through the season. So that's why I kind of excluded him here. And then John Mechie, who's also coming off an ACL. But the guy that I ultimately went with, and mostly just looking at draft capital, honestly, is Jahan Dotson, who is the 16th overall pick for the Commanders. Um, you know, he's like, it's it's funny because he's kind of like one of these random guys that doesn't have like one super intriguing, defining trait, but he's just like really good at everything. And I think they, they talked about him lining up and playing in the slot for them in year one. Um, he could just be like a PPR machine and he's just probably not going to have a ton of buzz, but I think he's, again, he's like the 16th overall pick. Adam Humphreys is no longer on Washington and now Jahan Dodson could just slip right into that. There's something to be said for like a slot receiver who puts up five catches for 50 yards every game. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's kind of like where he got the edge. Number one, draft capital. Number two, uh, his role, I think, is going to be a little bit more reliable than say like a a Christian Watson, where I think Christian Watson's probably going to have some really exciting plays, but he's going to be probably all over the map in terms of like his volume. And so, um, yeah. And again, it's just like, I don't know if Dotson's like style meshes very well with Car- uh, Carson Wentz, but, uh, but yeah, that, that's like, it maybe like the one where I have is like Carson Wentz is not really a check down pass over the middle of the field kind of guy. Okay. So that concludes our power hour, our soft power hour. Yeah. So again, like, our light the, beer the, power hours a session. Yeah, they're not IPA. like hard rankings here. Just like it, my level of excitement for each guy. How about that? We'll, we'll we'll lock in the hard rankings next week. This is a little suggestion. It's guidelines. Yeah. Parts of the yeah. check, the, check the draft guide for our more official rankings. Okay. We're going to talk dynasty. A lot of you've been clamoring for some dynasty. So for those who don't know, dynasty fantasy football is like regular fantasy football, but you get to keep your team forever. So like you do your draft. But the guys you draft, you get them for like, there's no contracts. If you draft Patrick Mahomes, you have Patrick Mahomes. 
And so then every year you do subsequent drafts, but you're only drafting rookies. And it's fun because if you get, you know, Justin Jefferson and then or Jamar Chase, and then they go out and they have 1,400 yards and like one of the best rookie seasons ever, you just have them for the rest of their career. You can do trades and stuff and cut players, but it's just a very fun way. It makes the offseason more interesting as free agency gets going, the draft. It really kind of makes your fantasy football group chat with your friends. It kind of just makes it more of a year-round cycle. It's a lot more fun. And so whether you're in one but need to convince your friends or you aren't in one, but maybe you should be, I kind of just want, that's my elevator pitch is it's basically a way to like, it's it's just a deeper and more fun version of doing it. So I don't know if DK or Craig, you guys have any other sales pitch you want to give on Dynasty real quick? It's the closest thing you can be to a GM. You're essentially just a GM. And if that interests you, having players forever. I, the reason why I, I don't love it is because I think drafting is the funnest part of fantasy football. I think draft day, redraft drafting is the funnest thing there is. But you still draft rookies every year and that can be really fun. And you can like trade draft picks. So again, you can feel like a GM in that regard. So yeah, I mean, I think it's great. I, it's probably fun to do both. I should really start a dynasty league. I'm not in one, but um, I get it. My my take would be, it's like really fun to like find a sleeper and it, he hits and like, it's like, um, you know, halfway through the season, all of a sudden he's going off and, and gaining in value and all that stuff. And then like in redraft, you're like, oh, I, have to drop that guy and make a whole new team next year like that sucks i really enjoy the part where you're looking for and, and again this is partly goes to the fact that i'm very into the draft um find guys that are sleepers that you know you can kind of put your evaluation tools to the test and find guys that are going to be better than everybody thinks they're going to be and then you put them on your team and you can keep them forever or you can trade um to pick up more value or whatever and so i think it's just really fun format um, but yeah, particularly, I just like the fact that like, you don't have to like reconstruct your team every year. You can like, if you really do well and find a sleeper and find a guy that was undervalued and he outplays his, his draft position or his ADP or whatever, uh, you get to benefit from that, you know, in perpetuity until he is retired or whatever. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Plus, by the way, um, it keeps everything interesting during the off season too. Uh, you know, there's rookie drafts during the off season. You get to, uh, the group chat stays really uh, locked in and focused, and there's just a lot to do during the off season, a lot of trading during the off season. So it's just kind of like a year long thing. If you don't, if if you don't want to do the thing where you just kind of like pack up and don't talk about fantasy for six months out of the year, um, if you're just more interested in it, then this is a great way to do that. If you have no life and you don't ever want to take any days off and go on a vacation, <laughs> yeah. do Dynasty. Pretty much. If you're the person who's like sitting on a beach in Maui and and just on, this just has everything you could ever want on this like beautiful vacation and all you can think about is like how to squeeze a little more value out of like, you have like the third pick in the draft and like, ooh, what about Drake London with Marcus Mariota? Then like, you know what? This is for you. Yeah. You sicko. So with everything we just talked about, DK, who are the players that you are most excited about for Dynasty? For the And again, guys you get the rest of the career. So a big difference, for example, is like, yeah, Damian Pierce, as we were just talking about, who's a fourth-round running back. Maybe he's yeah. the starting running back for the Texans this year. Probably not the starting running back for the Texans in 2023 or 2024. Maybe. Who knows? So, like, in this world where, again, quarterbacks, usually most dynasty leagues are two quarterback leagues. Mm -hmm. So quarterbacks are way more valuable because they're, you know, two quarterbacks, plus you can get them for 10 or 15 years. They're good. But not great quarterbacks this year. So I'm curious, DK, who are the players you are most excited to try to get in your own dynasty drafts this year? Ooh, good question. I would say since I've been a Traylon Burke stan, I think he's definitely very much a target for me, especially because a lot of the 
people that I play with, a lot of, uh, I guess, like the hardcore dynasty people are a little bit down on him, honestly. Like, you know, the the route running thing is a big concern for them. Um, I'm not saying for everybody. Aren't but we like over he, route running? How many times do we need to hear that route he, running is less so important? So he went number, he went ninth in a league I'm in right now uh, in a rookie draft, which is the lowest I've seen it during this whole like off season. Cause like he was going regularly like fourth, fifth, sixth ish in that range and pre-draft rookie drafts. And again, your dynasty rankings will be up on our draft guide coming out next week. Yeah. And, uh, so he's like, I think the people like the public or whatever, the, the people that I play with at least are a little bit down on him. So I think he's, he's a guy that I'm going to be scooping up a lot because I think he could really outplay his, um, you know, his, his spot in, in rookie drafts. And so I would say him for sure. Jamison Williams, I'm super excited about. I think his landing spot's not super exciting, so people might um, push him down boards a little bit, but like that speed, that game-breaking speed that he has is and really exciting. And the idea is that Jared Goff's not going to be the quarterback in Detroit forever. Right. Maybe right. next year. I feel year. like Jamison Williams is the guy I'm most excited about because if he weren't, didn't have the ACL tear, I feel like he'd be so much more exciting, and I'm, I feel like he'll be yeah. fine, as Craig always says, like, like ACL is just not a big deal anymore. Get it out of the way. And I'm like totally down to get Jameson Williams in any kind of da- discount. I agree. I think Detroit puts a discount on him. The ACL. I feel like Jameson Williams is going to be the best receiver in this class. You know who's another guy I want to shout out, and I'm certainly biased now, but George Pickens on the Steelers. Deontay Johnson is in the last year of his deal, and if they don't want to pay him, and and yeah. George Pickens has a good freshman uh, rookie season with the Steelers. Like if Kenny Pickett works out, it could be Pickett and Pickens for a while you know he's essentially an aj green clone out of georgia i don't know i think there's a lot of value there yeah i was gonna say him too um and then let's see here obviously sky Moore, but i think the other one too that we and we talked about a little bit is walker kenneth walker who i think a lot of people are are fading and, and talking about him just being worried about the landing spot um i think in a couple of years we're not going to be we're going to be laughing about the fact that we were like worried about his landing spot because i think the seahawks want to run the ball a lot they used a of the forty first overall pick on him, like that's not nothing. And I and again, I really don't think you can use the Rashad Penny career arc as any form of uh, like precedent for what we're going to see from Walker because like Penny had literally everything that could go wrong go wrong for him in his career. And so um, I just don't see that happening with him. What about Chris, we haven't talked much about Christian Watson who went to the Packers? I feel like he's kind of a good example of someone who can be both here. I mean, he yeah, he is will redraft, and if he gets that connection with Aaron Rodgers, there's a market for whoever wants to be Aaron Rodgers is you know the bell of the bell of the ball in Green Bay. I mean, yeah, I go in, I, I I go back and forth with Christian Watson. Honestly, I think so, like on the on the plus side, he is a rare rare athlete, extraordinary athlete who. Um, you know, he has the explosive speed. He's run after the catch ability. He's got pretty good size. Um, but there's some real big red flags to me. Like, obviously, he's coming from a lower level competition. He's a late bloomer. Um, he dropped he, a lot of pat. He dropped a lot of passes. He has, yeah, he has like really iffy hands. Is um, he just Marquez Valdez Scantling? This is the question. Like, I think there's a there's a range. Like, if we were doing the the Fifty Shades thing, like on one hand he would be MVS. On the other hand, he would be. I don't know, like supercharged Clay, uh, Chase Claypool or something like that, like everything you want as an outside receiver. But I think that there is a downside there where, um, you know, he just is, he ends up being sort of like a, a designated deep threat who doesn't really do a lot. And then when he does get targets, he drops them like MVS did for so many years in Green Bay. Um, I think that's in the realm of like outcomes or the or the range of outcomes, I should say. But um, 
I mean, I don't know. And the other thing is, like, he there's just not a lot of guys that are his size, like six foot four, whatever he measured out at. Um, and he like ran two, like a four three nine, right? At six four. Yeah, he's like he's kind of tall and lanky and skinny. So, so literally envious. Maybe he needs to put on some weight, like two twenty five, like would be like his target weight or something like that, and then he could like be a little bit slower and just but like have that that BMI that you're looking for. So. You know, I think that we haven't put enough talk into actually, like now that the draft is over, how little the Packers did at wide receiver. Week one is going to start, and Aaron Rodgers is going to be throwing to Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard, and Christian Watson. Like that's, and Robert Tunyon. That's the squad for the two time reigning MVP. That's the squad. <laughs> yeah. You it's know, hilarious. they tried to sign Odell Beckham before uh, he went with the Rams, and I almost feel like they, they should really really try to do that yes i don't know if odell wants to live in green bay wisconsin and i have no idea if that's i really don't know if that's something he would consider but they really should try to get odell beckham it's it's rough up there in green bay at wide receiver so it's just rough up there in green bay it's much colder than los angeles i don't know if you know that craig i don't i don't know anything outside of california dk if you had to pick one of these players who immediately becomes justin jefferson good where he doesn't have to be a wide receiver but like we're four weeks in and we're like, well, this guy's That's the offensive rookie of the year. He's already won it. <laughs> uh shit. That's tough. Um, so I guess London. Okay. Um just because like London. the size, skill set, route running, yards after the catch. There's a, like again, like this is so hard. And this class is like sort of just like this. There's really wide range of outcomes with all of them. I don't feel like Jamar Chase with any of these guys. Like, I don't feel like any of them are can't miss prospects that we saw like with chase and with uh going back a couple of years like even that class was i think a little bit higher end in terms of blue chip talent however london number eight overall pick size speed well he's not super fast but size route running yards after the catch size catch point prowess size gonna get tons of volume did i say size twice he's <laughs> got size dodge duck dip, <laughs> dive and dodge <laughs> yeah but there's also just this like remote possibility is just JJ Arcega Whiteside again. So who knows? <laughs> well, there's a really bad history of the first wide receiver taken off the board in a lot of drafts. I know. That's I, what scares me, man. Yeah, I read through it. It's like it's like Henry Ruggs. It's like Corey Davis. There's a lot of those on there. You're catching me. I'm just gonna be upfront. You're catching me at the tail end of like three months straight of just like not doing anything but thinking about like these draft players. And I'm just like, I feel like I've gone full circle while I've con convinced myself that they suck. Like I like first I'm like super excited. Then I'm like, oh, okay, so there's some red flags. I'm like, oh, actually, never mind. I don't believe any of these red flags are really good. And then I'm like, well, no, maybe these red flags mean a lot. I don't know where I am right now. Like I've I've completely like lot my brain is mush. I, good. I want to give you a mush quiz. Who's yeah. the really good player who actually sucks? What? <laughs> You're saying you've mean? you've come to convince yourself that all the good all these players are good and they're all the bad. I want the good pick one of the good players who's gonna go high in rookie drafts. We'll look back in five years. Like I didn't do anything. Chris Olave? Like DK? maybe yeah. Well, no, I would say like a guy like Garrett Wilson. Maybe his uh, like <laughs> range of outcomes or something. I really like him. He was my number one, but that's why I'm saying this is like he was my number one receiver. I guess it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world if he like ends up being not good. <laughs> so it's like this is the this is the class. Um Wow. Okay, so, so yeah. uh, flip side, who's the guy who's like everyone thinks he's bad that's actually just Amazing. Burks. Or will be amazing. Who? Burks. Burks. Everyone, no, he went at the first round. It's not a guy everyone thinks is Dude, bad. Dude, okay, maybe I'm just living in you like a dynasty brain. He's the 18th pick in the draft. I'm living in an echo chamber of, of a lot of the people in the dynasty world and, and, you know, generally just like draft analysts. 
are down on Burks. Like they think he's not a very good route runner. I think that's relative because dynasty people are always like any any receiver drafted in the top twenty is high. So outside your dynasty brain echo chamber bubble. So you want me to limit it to second round picks only, or what? Like what? What are we talking? Yeah, about? no one in the first round. Someone that like is going to go in the like the third round of a dynasty draft or later. Ooh, good question. Okay, that you're like, wow, what a jet or second round. Whatever. We should have just done this line 15. of questioning the whole thing. Let's see. Uh, let's go with. A gem. I want a gem for a my real draft. gem. All right. Well, I'll stick with my my pre-draft uh, sleeper project here. Tyrion Davis Price for the 49ers. The running back. So you're just saying Shanahan running back carousel. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. I really liked Ty Davis Price beforehand. I told him about like I was talking about it with like all my uh, like dynasty buddies. And then he went in the third round above guys like Zamir White, who was like, you know, pretty well known um, to the 49ers. Who yeah, have, yeah, Zamir, Zamir White. Georgia. Everyone knows who went to Georgia. He's a former five-star guy who played for the national champion Cyphers. Come on. Wake up, kid. It's just Yeah. DK's out here like everyone studied the NFL draft. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Tell people where Zamir White played. Zamir White played for Georgia. Um, all right. So anyway. DK's just I'm, so sick of this, and we're like, you gotta tell people where Zamir White Do White's you want from. me to say what I'm gonna say or not? <laughs> I don't know anymore. Jesus we Christ. Are back. <laughs> he glossed over the guy's name is Tyrion, which is easily the coolest part about him. Like spelled like Lannister and everything. Yeah. Um, I think he was born probably before the Game of Thrones, but I'm not 100% sure about that. Um, anyway. The Tidy show or the books? The, sh- the books. When was oh, the was first book joke. written? The 90s. Ni- 90 something? Yeah. Well, he could have been, I guess, named after Tyrion. That'd be funny. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So the last several... Third round surprise, third round picks for the 49ers at running back were Joe Williams and Trey Sermon, neither of whom did anything of note. And so obviously that's not great precedent for Ty Davis Price, who again was probably like he went two rounds earlier than I think most people thought he would. Um, but he ran a 4-4-8, battering ram running back, good burst, good explosiveness, good size. Um, I was very excited about him before the draft as like a sleeper. And so landing with the 49ers who love to run the ball and Shanahan you know, as we know, has been really good about uh, turning sort of no-name guys into superstars in fantasy. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, ups and downs along the road with that because he just, like, follows his whims and and you can't really ever predict what he's going to do. Uh, but yeah, I, I like him a lot. I think he's just going to be fun to watch in the preseason. I hope that he actually turns out to be something. Hopefully, he doesn't turn into the next Trey Sermon. Also, his name's Tyrion, which is cool. That is cool. I think we're at the point with the Niners where you literally just have to draft every running back on that roster. Right, right. Or none of them. That was, or none. Or well, here's none. the deal. Here's the deal. Sermon, I don't know what the hell happened with Sermon in year one, but Elijah Moore came in as a six-round pick and was like... Mitchell. Sorry, Elijah Mitchell, yeah. Uh, came it, in as a six-round pick. When there's two Elijah pick. M's in one draft class, that's pretty annoying. Yeah. Uh, he came in and like did really well, um, but I I think what I heard is he had his, his knee scoped a couple weeks ago or like this offseason, so like there's some uncertainty about his health. He's not very big. So maybe he can't carry a heavy load. Maybe they want to get this guy in and be like, you know, a big part of their run game or whatever. And so I just, I don't know. I'm excited about him. He, I'm just going with my pre-draft bias, but I also think the landing spot's pretty interesting. I feel like Shanahan shows up day one to training camp. He watches all the running backs and then he goes, I like that one. And then he leaves. <laughs> That's probably not far from the truth. <laughs> all right. Got so Tyrion Davis Price is your sleeper. You like Drake London as the guy who most likely to just dominate immediately. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got 
a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. There's the dynasty talk. I'm glad we got that in. A little dynasty brain. I feel like dynasty brain sprinkled throughout the entire the entire episode. Dynasty brain is pervasive, man. I, I'm I'm gonna have to really like transfer my. I'm gonna have to like really focus once we get back into redraft mode because it's like very hard to like. Yeah, we need come come love your family. Like we need you. We need you to be back in your life. Okay, can we do a fantasy court? Yeah, it's been a while. Do it. Wow. All right. Big one. DK, we're going to need your help on this one. This is like an older people problem. Okay. Um, how's it going, guys? I have a bit of an issue I was hoping. Who's this from? Honestly, I'm not going to read the name because it seems like a real life problem. Okay. If you could make up a name. <laughs> they know who they are. How's it going, guys? I have a bit of an issue I was hoping you guys could weigh in on. I'm not quite sure if this would qualify for fantasy court, but it's in the realm. I've been commissioning the same league since 2001. And then... Basically, blah, blah, blah. He goes on to explain that they went from 10 to 12. When they expanded from 10 to 12, they added his brother-in-law. Or sorry, one of the friend key. One of the friends in the leagues added their brother-in-law. He didn't, but one of his one of his friends added the his brother-in-law. Yeah, so they needed 10 to 12, and a league mates like my brother-in-law can join. Okay. Here's where my issue arises. We've had seven seasons since we went from 10 to 12 people and added this brother-in-law. My friend and his wife, the friend who recommended the brother-in-law, the friend and his wife are getting divorced, and it's not amicable. Oh, boy. My brother has been on a waiting, my, like the commissioner's brother, has been on the wait list to get into the league for like three years. Would it be a dick move to just drop my friend's ex-brother-in-law from the league and add my actual real brother? Some relevant info, He's the, the brother-in-law is the only person in the league that I don't see outside the draft in real life. And during the season, I asked the people in my league to answer a few multiple choice questions every week for a weekly write-up I do as commissioner. Wow. And the questions, oh, sorry, the questions not every week. They're at the halfway point and at the end of the season. So week eight, and then he does it at the end of the season. And the ex-brother-in-law is the only guy that cannot be bothered <laughs> to send in the responses. They so already don't 10 like other people guy. are sending him in, and then he's the 11th that's sending him in. He said, and then he continues, that annoys me. I asked my friend who's getting the divorce, and he said I shouldn't kick him out, the brother-in-law out because the brother-in-law did nothing wrong. I've talked to a few other league members, and they seem to be torn. No one wants to add any more teams. Do you have any wisdom you're willing to bestow upon me? My instinct is to not kick this guy out just because... He's now an ex-brother-in-law. Like, he's still a person. He's still a human being. He doesn't answer the questionnaires every week, but I probably wouldn't either, to be if I'm if I'm being totally honest. Well, you have 23 leagues. <laughs> I, you have a, that would be a full-time job. I don't like answering emails. I'll be That'd be honest. like the SAT if you had a questionnaire after all 23 <laughs> leagues. Uh, I have one question. We would need to follow up. Do, do they like him? Yeah. I mean, clearly, it seems the commissioner does not like him. Yes. The commissioner is annoyed with this guy, but everyone else is like, yeah, he's fine. 
I think that the commissioner just has to deal with, I think, I, I don't, I, I don't know if they like him, but they, it seems like, I don't know if they interact with him in real life. I think you cut him. Oh, I really Sometimes do. Sometimes you got to make tough choices in life. And Craig Listen, just says, give him the axe. This guy, this friend whose ex-brother-in-law is now in the league, is he ever going to talk to him again? If he, if, if he leaves this league, are they ever going to talk again? There's one yeah. bad, one uncomfortable email you have to send and then you're, you're done. You washed your hands of it. That's true. It's definitely not fair for this other guy, but maybe for the, well, that's for the, the health maybe the of the other league. guy doesn't really want to be in this league either. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're doing him a favor. Actually, that's what I'm going to decide. You're doing this guy a favor. He doesn't have to worry about this league anymore. He doesn't have to worry about talking to his ex-brother-in-law. Mind you, it it's sounds like this guy got looped into a fantasy league with his brother, because you know they're both brother-in-laws to each other. So from this guy's perspective, who would be on the chopping block, his brother-in-law invites him to a league where presumably he doesn't know any of the other 10 people in the league, right? He knows one other person and then 10 dudes he doesn't know. Now he can't even really talk to his connection. And like, I think, I think the writer of this email is just looking for an excuse to get this guy out because he doesn't answer the emails every week. My, and I quote, the ex-brother-in-law is the only guy that can't be bothered to give me any answers. Yeah. <laughs> he hates this guy. <laughs> I don't think it's crazy. I think that you're just looking for us. To give you permission, you can kick him out if you want. You're the commissioner. You know, maybe, maybe you should make these email answers uh, obligatory. Hi, Fitz. I mean, relate this to yourself. If Jackie had a brother, I don't know if she does, and you guys were married and he's in the league and he's like not the nicest guy and he's not super communicative with the rest of the league, you and Jackie get a divorce. Are you keeping him in the league? <laughs> no. Can we do this without a hypothetical uh, ending of my current relationship? <laughs> Is that possible? <laughs> and I, no, I have to make it personal because it's the only way you can think rationally. Of course not. I, I, I think the obvious answer to your question is that I see why the guy who's actually getting the divorce is like, don't kick him out. But I also see how the friend of the guy is like, why do I have to care about this? You know what I mean? So I think the commissioner, honestly, what the commissioner should do, let's be real. Reading this email, the commissioner wants this guy gone. <laughs> I think... Given the situation, yeah, he's the he's looking for us job to like, is this. He's, uh, he's looking for us to be the executioner. I don't here. think this is a. I, I, <laughs> as a j justice on this court, I'm going to punt this back, and I like I'm. We're not making this decision. We're washing for our hands of this. Here's what I'll will. say as a nice recommendation from a, a more jury. of a mediation. <laughs> if you're gonna do it, you have to own it because you can't let you kicking him out seem like the the guy getting the divorce asked for it. Like, if you're going to kick him out, you can't act like my friend doesn't want to be in the league with you because you're, you know, he's divorcing your sister. Like, you can't, you have to be like, I don't want, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like you got to make it clear. Like, I I just, you got to own it as the commissioner. Also, it's your decision. Perhaps seven years ago, when this guy's brother-in-law joined the league, the commissioner was annoyed because he wanted his brother to join the league. And it was decided that the, the brother-in-law gets in and now he's pissed. And he's like, hey, my brother's been waiting for years. Now we have no connection to this brother-in-law guy. I get it. I think that I think the key thing here is like they don't have any connection to this guy. Like, what is what? Like, what effect is this going to have on anyone's life if they just kick him out? I think they should probably. Get, it's probably better <laughs> for everyone. But also, imagine them playing each other. The have you guys ever been kicked out of a league? No. Have you ever been kicked out of a league? I've had to kick people out. Yeah, same here. But usually they deserve it. I imagine the people who get kicked out of leagues don't go on to, to have professional fantasy football podcasts. I will Ooh, say, if this, if this ex-brother-in-law <laughs> won the league last year, you can't kick him out.
You can't kick out a champ. <laughs> that would be funny. He yeah. just left out he that this guy's like if dominant. He won last Imagine year. if he left out that the brother-in-law's incredible. <laughs> He's like the Patriots of this league, and they just like, like he didn't mention it. If he won last year, you can't kick him out. You can't kick out a champ. Yeah. Unspoken code. I think I'd go so far as to say is if he's what if he won what if he's won what if he won two years ago? <laughs> no, that's fine. I don't know. That guy could sue. <laughs> I think I think there is a point where you're like, wow, if he's the guy won two years ago and you're booting him. Now, if he hasn't won in the seven, yeah, ax him. Five, probably not, but I don't know. All right. Anyway, I think we're on the same page. Evan it, oh, oh. Are we? Well, I said it. <laughs> I don't know what our I think he was. can boot it. It's fine. <laughs> just, just, you know, do it. You slipped in the name there. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Well, Who cares? All right. Bring in the dancing lobsters. All right. There you go. Kick them out. Do whatever you want. <laughs> all right. So our fantasy football guide will be going live next week. In line, we'll also be going through our top 200 rankings, and we'll be having a pod aligned with that. So please check out next week. Thank you to everyone who listened to us for the NFL Draft Show, and thank you whether you're new to the show. Please stay. I think that you're going to have a good time at the Fantasy Show. And for those who were with us winning the Fantasy Show through draft season, we're happy to be back, baby. Until Eminem sues us, we're here. Until we have to go to real court because Eminem <laughs> sues our ass. Can you imagine if, like, then we had to pitch the judge, and the judge then had to listen to the episodes, and he had to, the judge had to listen to our legal analysis? He he kind of likes it though. He's like, yeah. wow, you guys aren't bad. He's like, oh, punting back down, smart. I would have done the same. He's like, kick out the ex brother in law, or the judge is the ex brother in law. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've been in this league since two thousand and one. Sounds like these guys are a bit older. That is actually really funny. I mean, the earliest you start a fantasy league is like high school, right? 16, maybe. So at the I minimum, some in middle school, middle school. You think uh, 2001 middle schoolers are starting a fantasy league? No, you need middle schoolers probably needed the internet. I don't know, DK. What, what, how old were when you started mailing things? <laughs> what? <laughs> how old were you when I you mean, were allowed to like, put things like in the mail? Second or third grade or something like I that? I bet these guys are in their early 40s. I guess because yeah. I only know about old fantasy football from Bill when Bill's like, yeah, we had to. Add up the box scores by I hand never did, and walk I never uphill did both ways. I never did mail mail in the fantasy stuff. Like I never did fantasy by mail. I I would mail letters to like pen pals and shit when I was probably in, in like the late eighties. Yeah, or the early I don't 90s. think that there's any middle schoolers doing math with box scores. You know how newsletters are like all the rage right now. Everyone is doing like subscription newsletters. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna go back and do a literal tangible Mailer. newsletter mail. Yeah. There's no trace of it. It will get delivered to people's door and it'll be my Should thoughts. we send people this podcast like with actual physical here's, written out what we were saying? Here's the transcript. But what will, how will we spell the way I say penalty? <laughs> panel, pa pa panel. I want to send individual little MP3 players to each of our listeners' doorstep <laughs> and it destructs, self-destructs in 48 hours. A-track? Yeah, A-track, Kanye style. Okay, I think I'm going to end the podcast now. All right. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, DK. Thank you to everyone for listening. We are very excited to be back. Thank you to Eminem's legal representation for letting this one slide. Um, DK, thank you, Lauren. Perhaps, DK, you want to thank somebody specific? Thank you, Eminem. Oh, that was organic. Thank you, Eminem. <laughs> thank you, Lauren. I was going to say that, but Hyphen said thank you, Eminem. And I was like, well, shit, I've been thrown off. It worked out. It worked out. Eminem, just a seminal artist in my life and one of the greats. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>